What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the NBA podcast that has yet to be named. We are Recon Sports. My name is Mike Klein. I am your host alongside Jake Worm. Jake, how are we doing? We're doing good, man. Ready for episode five, part two of our playoff series. We're going to be covering uh, results of the play-in games. A lot of stuff went down there, and it was uh, was fun to see before we get into any series, just, you know, competitive games that came down to the wire, and they meant something, you know, especially the last games, the elimination games. It was a winner-go-home situation. It's just a good time, man. We're we're still in playoff mode. Yeah, when you look at the first few years of the play-in, I'd say it's a wild success. I mean, they've had some extremely entertaining games between very interesting teams that have been in different points in their timeline. Um, When you're thinking about the likes of Memphis and Golden State of last year and before that even. And then this year, looking at day one, you had Cavs, Nets, and Clippers, Timberwolves, which provided a little bit of a surprise. And we got to see Kyrie Irving have an absolute masterful game. He had 34 and 12 on 80% shooting. I believe he was either 8 of 8 or 9 for 9 in the first half. I mean, he was going absolutely bonkers. Garland had a pretty good game. It it was a fun game to watch. A little disappointing as a Cavs fan, but uh, the result you expected, but maybe closer than expected too. Yeah, we talked about it in our last pod, talking about, you know, what it would take for the Cavs to, to beat the Nets. We said, man, it would take a lot. And some things did go their way. We did predict, um, in, in the Nets game, we predicted Mobley needed to step up and also have have a defensive game. But it just simply wasn't enough. Uh, you're you're going to get Sexton back next year. That will be, that, I think he'll make it, he'll be a game changer in terms of playmaking. Um, but yeah, it just, things didn't go their way enough uh, to beat the Nets. And it was sort of expected, you know. Yeah, yeah. As a fan, you did expect to lose that game, and, you know, they even competed more than I thought. After Brooklyn dropped 40 in the first quarter, I thought we were doomed for about a 30, 40-point loss, and it only ended up being a 7-point loss. So, you know, I'm proud of that team. I'm proud of my team, and they got to be excited for next year, and... As for that game, they didn't have Allen, and maybe that would have made a difference. Yeah, yeah, right. But uh, I do think, as a Cavs fan, yeah, you were looking towards that next game after you lose. Yeah, they, they kind of were because you were in that eight-nine game. So if if you did lose, you you had you had looked to the the next game where the ten and eleven teams would play. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they were sort of looking ahead to to the Hornets or Atlanta matchup. Ended up being the Atlanta Hawks. Um, Still didn't get it done there. Um, do we want to go into that game now, or do we want to? Let's uh, let's stay on the same day. We'll we'll work over to that game. Okay. Let's get into Clippers Timberwolves, which for us uh, exceeded our expectations. We we expected the Clippers to take this one, and in a great surprise, the Timberwolves won by five. And uh, some of the things that stood out from that game on their end was. They did not get their normal contributions from Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, three for 11 shooting and fouled out in under 25 minutes. That's certainly not ideal. And Scoreless in the first quarter. That was, yeah. a, that was a major aspect. That, and it gave the Clippers a huge lead in the beginning. 
Yeah, and props to the Clippers for the game plan and for the players executing said game plan. Uh, according to Carl Towns, it didn't work, but if you ask anybody else, I would say it worked pretty well. <laughs> Talk about that celebration, though. Right, right, right before we get to that, I do want to give a little bit of an apology. Anthony Edwards exploded for 30 points. 10 of 21 shooting, 5 of 11, 5 of 11 from 3. He had an excellent game, and we expected him to not necessarily be anywhere near that. We expected him to get a little bit bottled up, to get uh, yeah. may- maybe the moment was too much, but it seemed like it was the opposite. We doubted him. Uh, I don't know if it's youth or just maybe they haven't unleashed him yet, just as a player. Um, and we also saw the matchup, too. We saw yeah. all those athletic wings out there. Paul George was playing, also mm-hmm. had a great game as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just saw all this, all these wing defenders and length and veteran players. We just thought there was no way this, this could be a game for Ant to step out. Um, but he did it again, too. He did it in the second game that they played. Um, so, yeah, it's just we take, <laughs> we take all responsibility, and we're sorry to Ant, but um, I think it's going to be a showing out party for him this playoffs. Yeah, and... You know, their fan base is crying that a star is being born, and so let's just see if that is the case. Speaking of the celebration, like you mentioned, (laughs) let's get to that. So, it was in honor of Kevin Garnett, KG, who played for the franchise so many years ago, and it was a moment in time for them, and, you know, know, the scores table and the lifting up the jersey, and so Pat Beverly jumps onto the scores table. He throws his jersey into the crowd. Anthony Edwards is lifting his shirt up. Carl Anthony Towns is kissing his girlfriend. You, you, you feel like the confetti's falling. And props to TNT. They, they made a, a really, really funny joke. They played the uh, We Are the Champions song yep. over the replay of the celebration. They it was did. hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. They did. I know. A lot of people were like, man, this it's you'd want a playing game. Listen, man, Like when you're especially Pat Beverly, <laughs> what he did to it at the end of the game and his history with the Clippers, they didn't want to pay him. I mean, I wouldn't want to pay him, but as a player, you feel disrespected in some way by that. Certainly. So they, they, they moved him. Uh, he's on Minnesota. This is a young team. He's bringing an attitude to this team, this mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. They win a game. They win a game in the playoffs. I mean, this is big for them. And you can't really sort of stop yourself from reacting that way, especially in such an emotional situation. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's too absurd. I mean, it was kind of funny. <laughs> it's, it is funny. It is funny, but, but you know, yeah, you can't blame them. Really. No, hell no. I mean, they they hadn't been to the playoffs in three, four years, and even when they were, I think it was a sweep or a gentleman sweep. So it's like, yeah, when have you really given yourselves a chance? And they they're giving themselves a chance against Memphis too, which and. For the record, we are recording this on Monday, so the Game 1s have happened for every series, so we can talk about how they, they stole Game 1, so they have given themselves a legitimate shot at getting to the semifinals. Yeah. And that would be huge for this team, and their direction for next year, I think, is going to be even more clear if they can get by a team like Memphis. And But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's, let's get to... Uh, Let's get to the other playing games. Yeah. But so, on the next day, we have Charlotte and Atlanta in the first game, Spurs, Pelicans in the second. Atlanta lights up Charlotte. Uh, Trey Young was picking apart their coverages all night long. And 
they dropped a 42 points in the third quarter Oof. and and closed the game out one by 29 so for charlotte it's it's pretty clear at where they need to to see some improvement it's it's on the defensive end um the offense wasn't perfect by any means but oh when you let up 132 points yeah it was a defensive problem. Mm-hmm. You were talking about it earlier about Hawks' ability to just absolutely light up the scoreboard, right? And they did that. Hornets had no no defense against that. They had they had no physicality against them. They played their pace. Mm-hmm. Um, Lamelo had a decent game, uh, but I truly think he was the only one that stood out for me. I mean, Miles Bridges is on. He's playing to earn a max contract, and that that was his performance. It was kind of it's kind of pitiful for me. Are you maxing out? Miles Bridges? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> I think you found your core in LaMelo and his his lob finisher, his athletic mm-hmm. wing. I think you give him what he wants. I think if you pay him now, too, it'll be a little bit cheaper. Is he getting that rookie extension? Is that what it is? It would be the rookie year extension, so it's slightly limited to what he could earn. Um, but... Yeah, I think if you, if, if you decide to pay him... That max contract, you do it as soon as you can, so you can get them as low as cheap as you can. Yeah. Um, and they don't have very many max contract players. If they trade Gordon Hayward, which I think they will, get him off the books. That that frees up space. Yeah, it's it's a shame he wasn't able to finish out the playing games with them. I know, or game for them, but uh, he is so huge to that offense. Just that extra facilitator can can bring up the ball in a pinch. Can can knock shots down, can create his own, create for others. Really, really, truly a glue guy on their offensive, how they how they attack. Um, for me, LaMelo was good. He attacked, but not not the not the efficiency game that you're looking for. Um, yeah, 28 he, from the field. I don't like seeing 14-3. Three-point attempts either. Especially with four makes. That's a lot of three-point attempts that tells me, you know, while we did watch the game, just looking at the box score without watching, you would say, okay, it looks like this guy was just jacking up threes, like trying to get him going, trying to get the team going, trying to get a run going, and it just wasn't working. At some point, you got to figure that, that that's not working and you got to try something else. But Yeah, uh, yeah just, to, just not a, not a good – Showing in terms of execution and the one game that you have to win. Right, the, the do or die. But this is the second year in a row where they lose in the play-in. So while I think you're happy, you increased your win total. You had, you know, you upgraded from the year before. You uh, you want to start seeing some success. I don't think there's any pressure there, but I do think starting next year is when they might get a little antsy. Yeah, they, they have guys that they might not want long-term, whether it be the Terry Rozier, Mason Mason Plumlee. He's Scary old. Terry? Yeah, I don't, think, I don't think he's a long-term option for them. In, it, fitting LaMelo's timeline with Bridges and P.J., um, you have Trez, you have Montrez Harrell and, and Oubre. They're a little younger, and they might be a little cheaper than Terry. Do you, you remember how much they're paying Terry? To, to, probably to, around 18 mil, maybe. Yeah, they're paying him that to shoot 36% in an elimination game. So um, you have to think about that. You know, Timelines with LaMelo, what, what do you want to build alongside him? Um, so we'll, I, I expect to see at least a few offseason moves. Yeah. 
I uh, I definitely expect them to be looking, especially for upgrades in the center department. Let's move on to the final first round of playing games. Pelicans, Spurs. Um, not as much as a thriller as everybody did not expect this game to be, but in a shocking turn of events, Devin Vassell, 7 of 13, 54% from three. He was letting them fly, and they were they were going. He got hot towards the end there. That was fun to watch. Um, DeJounte Murray kind of struggled, especially to get you know his buckets going, but you know, for this team, I don't think they expected to go too far anyway. If they did make it, it likely would have been a sweep. So I think they're just looking forward uh, to the pick that they secured now. They have yeah. a 4.5% chance at the number one pick. I think you just look forward to next year. You yep. don't really dwindle on what happened. Yeah, they'll get a good pick. Um, this is going to be a team that will struggle. Not be a great team for a little while, I don't think. Um, there's limits to the to the young guys that they have, unless you know you have a Vassell become a crazy elite shooter like that. Um, yeah, this is Pop going to retire? That's another thing you have to think about. Um, yeah, not much going on with the Spurs team. Just keep on looking to build that young core in the draft. Mm-hmm. And on the Pelicans' end, CJ McCollum had a great game: thirty-two, six, and seven assists, shooting fifty-two percent. 3 of 5 from 3 with only 4 turns. He looked great. His decision making was on point. He was hitting the right shots and was pushing the pace when he needed to and setting others up when he had to. Uh, Jose Alvarado did Jose Alvarado things. (laughs) The sneaky bastard. That guy is a thief. (laughs) The way he gets some of these steals. He's so sneaky about it. In this game, he's 3 of 4 from 3. He provided more than anybody would have expected from him. Valanchunas, 22 and 14. The team got it done. Um, they're, you know, that that trio of McCollum, Valanchunas, Ingram. Oh, it's vicious. It's pretty, you know, it's pretty lethal against uh, the non-elite teams of the league. Yeah, man. Your boy CJ looks as comfortable as ever. Right. Having a career year with the Pelicans, honestly. So that, that's been really fun to watch, and I'm super happy for him. Um, they did lose game one. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Do you think he's a true point guard? Do you think he runs point for them? I mean, obviously, out in Portland, he was forced to play the two. Yeah. Um, he would help run the bench mob when, when Dan would sit. They would they did like to have them going individually. Yeah. And he would carry that ball. Yeah. Um, I like him at the point guard. What do you think? So, defensively, I think that's your – if you have him on the court – that's probably your best bet mm-hmm. is to try to put him on the smallest guy in the court. Or if they have a complete non-shooter in the court, you can try to hide him on him. Um, offensively, I think either work, but as a, as a point guard, and historically in Portland, he always thrived in, in games without Dame. I don't have the stats for that, but his assist numbers were always up. And so you saw that he, he can facilitate an offense. He can get others involved and also get his own. So he has those skills, and we're, we're seeing it showcase. And you can only imagine what it would look like with a sheer dominant force dominating the paint next to him. Yeah, if you get Zion with the, the trifecta that they have right now, then you only need one you know, shooter or role player alongside CJ. 
that team is nasty. Yeah. From a starting five standpoint. Yeah, they they have some some really bright days ahead of them, and you hope that the injury injury bug stays away from them so that they can see the success. Or the organizational bug that they have. Yeah. I heard that there's just disagreements between the Pelicans organization and Zion's camp. So we'll see what happens with that. And you can only hope that the CJ trade has started to help things with uh, with his ability to connect with people. Yeah. You hope that uh, he's showing the team that there is brighter days ahead. You know, they, they have a go-to bucket getter besides Ingram now. And with two guys who can create their shot in the perimeter and two guys who can dominate down low, that looks like a pretty good team to me. I want to see them together. Agreed. Agreed. Moving on to the next game here, we have Clippers-Pelicans. Yeah, this was a surprising one for me. Um, Just the Clippers with their – obviously, they didn't have Paul George, which is wild to me. Health and safety protocols uh, bit them them in the ass, and it is a shame. But I did – Expect them because he, they hadn't had Paul George for a huge part of the season, an mm-hmm. extended amount of time, especially towards the end of the year, that I would think this this experienced Clippers team would be able to execute offensively, and they just couldn't. And then down the stretch, the Pelicans with their length and Brandon Ingram, his his shot making and CJ, they just took it home. Yeah, yeah. Um, on your point about Paul George, he's played 31 games this year which is the second least of his career besides that one year in Indiana where he got hurt um, and he tried to come back in the later portion. But, uh, yeah, the uh, the Pelicans just kind of pulled ahead. Uh, Larry Nance Jr., shout out to you. You were huge in that game. Um, when the Clippers decided to go small, Willie Green decided to go small as well with Larry Nance at center, yeah. and he ended up with 16 boards, was grabbing you know grabbing boards, putting them back up, hitting people out for three. Trey Murphy got hot. He had he was four of six from three. CJ wasn't the, his normal efficient self, but uh, got enough buckets to keep them afloat. And Ingram just brought it home, 36 and six. Yeah, they, I, they look good. They yeah. look good against them. I can't say enough about Larry Nance. You said it. It's a great. It's a great call-out because, what you said, 16 boards? 16 of them. I think more than half of them were offensive boards. He was so Seven active. Offensive. Yeah, he was so active on the offensive boards, whether it be an actual board and a, and a putback or just a slap back to the guys, you know, just mm-hmm. giving you extra possessions right. late in games. That is so, so big. Um, they're just getting good minutes out of some bench role players, um, and it's going to help them because I already love their starting lineup with all right. that length defensively. Now, they are playing the Suns now, so I don't think they have a true shot against the Suns, but they could possibly steal one if they, you know, get those those good minutes out of their, their role players and get a few stops with their length. And in true to self fashion, we have a an outstanding performance out of one Tony Snell. Three minutes played, forty eight <laughs> seconds, zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists. Wait for this. Zero steals, Ooh. zero blocks. However, he did have a shot attempt, and he did have two fouls. All in under four minutes. Shout out to you, Tony Snell. That is something only you can manage to do so many times. Stat sheet stuffer supreme. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to the last of the playing games. We have the Atlanta Hawks defeating the Cavs. A six-point game and a heartbreaker 
for the Cavaliers. <laughs> and this I, is an Ohio-based I, podcast, if you don't know. I, I may be speaking for myself here, but the, see, the Cavs started out hot here. Uh, Evan Mobley started out with a three, and then Laurie Markkinen hits three straight, and it was looking like they were going to run away with the game. Oh, that was fun. Just watching Laurie. We, you said he'd be he'd be an X factor, um, hitting a couple threes here and there. It was fun for the Cavs at first. Everything was looking up. I think he went into a halftime with a twelve point lead, something like that. Um, but then the second half occurred. The second half happened, and the Cavs got outscored by ten points in the third quarter and got outscored by six points in the fourth quarter. Trey Young went berserk. Um, really, what it came down to, what it seemed like to me at least, was the Cavs just weren't super. They weren't. They weren't paying attention to the small details during switches. And anytime there's a switch on Trey Young, they ended up with space, and he was pulling that thing. Or he gets a big on him, and he's driving to the rim. Anytime Laurie got switched onto anybody, they were just going straight to the rim. It. it they really found the weaknesses in the defense and just started hammering that in. Yeah, I think you're right. I think for the Cavs defense, I think it was a lack of. Uh, attention to detail, especially on those high ball screens with Trey Young. In the beginning, they would switch. Um, I think they would make a few adjustments, but it looks like they, they, Trey would just pick it apart. Mm-hmm. He knew the way you were playing it earlier. He knew you were going to make a change, and then he would tear you apart from, from there. Whether if you switch, he could pull. Whether you don't switch, he could get into the paint, lob it up to Capella. He was just so vicious at the end of the game. And then for the Cavs, the ball was just sticking towards the end of the game. I mean, DG had a few buckets. Um, we said he's a good finisher around the basket, but he's not a great finisher yet. I think that's where his game will be elevated, and I think playing alongside Sexton next year, will he'll benefit from that. Um, but Trey was just so vicious at the end of the game. The Hawks clearly, I mean, we, we talked about this last season. They have a certified closer in Trey Young, and it's, He's he's just a show, man. It's so fun to watch him. Thirty-eight and nine on fifty-two percent from the field, thirty-six from three on only four turns. He had a great game. He closed the game, like you said, and he hit the big shots. And now, yet another NBA city hates Trey Young. <laughs> Congratulations. Speaking of that city, uh, this is probably the most deflating stat I saw for the Cavs. Here we go. They have the most losses this season. Let me hear it. After winning by ten. So with a ten point lead, they they've lost more yeah. <laughs> more games than any other team. Uh, injuries are a problem. Yeah, let's not let's not get it twisted. Thanks for that one. <laughs> They're looking up though. We've said it a million times. The Cavs have a bright future. This is only the beginning. Yeah. Really, really threw that one out of left field. <laughs> Because um, it's funny because you were watching them all too. That's why I said it. It's not like you forgot. No, it's not like not. it's not like you didn't remember all those leads being blown. <laughs> that's a that's the discussion for another pod. All right. With that said, that covers the playing games. We now have four series that are official that we can talk about now. Um, every, like I said earlier, every game has had one game played at this point, so we're not catching these on their first day, so maybe our predictions will be a little bit biased on what we have seen so far, or maybe we believe in the opposite, so let's get into that. Alright, 
The first series I want to get into is the 1-8 in the East. And there's a couple like things that just stood out to me. In a game where Miami kind of dominated, I think what stood out to me was, besides the obvious, you know, besides Duncan Robinson hitting eight threes, right? He had a great game. Yeah. A great offensive game. He looked super confident, super decisive. Uh, Tyler Hero looked a little less decisive to me, a little, a little more, a little more, too much thinking going on. But uh, PJ Tucker, four for four from three, he he did he did some great things. But Bam's ability to switch, and this is something I'm noticing throughout the playoffs, you know, as in, as a whole, not just this series, but switchable bigs are invaluable. Oh my gosh, I know the versatility of. of- Athletic young centers is so so crucial for for defensive success. You're telling me you have a center that you're 100 percent comfortable switching on to somebody who's probably going to be an All NBA guard, second or third team, and you know, at, you know, for this game, kind of shutting him down on those switches. Uh, I saw a, a stat somewhere. I think Bam when. When switched in isolation, held opponents to like one of eleven or one of twelve shooting. It, I mean, it was just like a masterful performance. Wow! Um, his his ability to to keep moving his feet, to keep active hands, to not give too much space, but also stay with them on the drive. I mean, he he was doing it against Trey Young, and now the question becomes: Can Trey Young solve the Miami Heat defensive puzzle? Yeah, Spo is Spo's a legend, man. Spo is one of the best coaches in the league. Um, you know the attitude that the Miami culture has, the looks that they're going to throw at you. Now, I mean, Oladipo didn't get minutes, but that's because of how deep they are from that um, guard position and on the wings. They can throw at you different looks. They just they're. That, I think you're right. It's the Miami defense puzzle. Trey Young, it's it wasn't as easy as as. You know, taking apart the Cavs defense. Easy. In the <laughs> but no, man, like, it's it's easier said than done, especially when you have a center like Bam being able to switch everything. Uh, even a defensive player of the year and Rudy Gobert, once he switches onto a guard, it's like, this is cookies, you know. Mm-hmm. This is, this is going to be cash money. Can't do that with Bam. No. Um, I truly don't think Trey and the Atlanta Hawks are going to be able to find a way to to win this series, um, I think. I mean, you can't. You can only hope to contain Trey. He's gonna. He's gonna come back here. He's gonna hit shots. Right, yeah. He's gonna get. In he's rhythm. not gonna play this all season. They're gonna make uh, adjustments. That's that's how the playoffs work. I mean, this is this is the NBA playoffs. This isn't a one game thing. Mm-hmm. You have seven games max, four to seven games, uh, to focus on just this one team. So they'll, they'll they'll find a way to attack better than last game. So Trey's not shooting eight percent from right. the field. Um, but yeah, I think all in all, uh, Miami, that, that Miami defense is a tough puzzle to solve, and I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, and uh, Atlanta did have John Collins finally back for this game, and yeah. he only played 21 and a half minutes, uh, had 10 points on 4-6 shooting. He was a plus 2 for the game, so that's a positive that you can hold on to and potentially use. Um, maybe next game he can up his minutes load and can – withhold playing 
maybe up to 30 minutes. We'll see what they decide to do there. It looks like they are going to need him for this series. Miami just has such great defensive personnel in their starting lineup that uh, it, it's going to be an extremely hard puzzle to solve because they have so many capable defenders and so many plus defenders. It's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch. I personally am going to have Heat in five. Yeah, I'm going to take Heat in four mainly because another killer for me for Atlanta is the fact that they have to start Okongwu at the three at at the five. Um, Capella wasn't able to play. I mean. Okongwu finished with three points. Uh, Capella gets eight points just off of lobs from Trey, period. Yeah. So if you take that away, that aspect of, of Trey's game is huge. I mean, getting in, deciding whether to pass, float, layup, shoot, or, or lob to Capella, that's another thing. If that's eliminated, that just helps the, the, the defense of, of Miami, especially in the interior defense of it with Bam, who's an elite defender. Yeah, and... While Okongwu is a good player, defensively, he provides things that Capella doesn't, and sure, vice sure. versa as well. Yeah. They, they they kind of provide almost like, like Capella's the big shot blocker, can secure the rebounds, just d- contest everything at the paint, and Okongwu is going to be more of that switchable big that you can allow on the perimeter and may struggle against some of these bigger guys, but when you look at it, and they weren't matched up the whole game, but Bam was one of five. He only had six points, so offensively, at least scoring-wise, he wasn't the best. So that's a positive for the Atlanta, but again, it's the playoffs. Adebayo's going to come back. He's going to have a game where he's scoring up to 20 points, mm-hmm. probably more. So we'll keep an eye on that series, see what happens there. However, heavily leaning towards Miami. Moving on to the next series, let's get into the other 1-8, Phoenix and New Orleans. Yep, we talked we talked quite a bit about New Orleans already because they did have two games in the play-in. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love their starters, CJ, B.I. Um, who else are they starting? Jackson Hayes with that length um, and Herb Jones. So that's just a, just a long team defensively. But this is the Phoenix Suns we're talking about. The point God showed out in, in game one. It's just too much. This is a this is the best team in the league, Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't have much to say about this series other than Suns in four. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, like you see, you know, Chris Paul, thirty-seven and ten, just had a masterful, masterful performance. Seventy-five percent from the field, only two turns is a plus twenty for the game. He dominated. He simply dominated on the offensive end. <clears throat> and Devin Booker, he I mean, he looked like a monster too. 25 points, 8 assists, only one turn. He did Booker things. Michael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder were all excellent on defense. The the switching, not not just like the ability to switch, but like how Jay Crowder was switching just seamlessly between opponents. Between with him and uh, Michael, just made everything flow defensively. Oh yeah, and it it really made it difficult for the Pelicans to get past and to break through that defense. Um, you look at you look at everybody who scored, and you know look at the field goal percentage thirty eight percent as a team. They were 
39 from three, but they only took 23, made nine. So, you know, you're going to need more three-point attempts. You're going to need some higher volume there. But if you're going to beat the Suns team, even for a game, you're going to have to be on your absolute best behavior. And they, they did stage a comeback towards the later ends of that game. Yeah, they, I think they got it within six or so. But it didn't get much closer than that, and Phoenix just ended up running away with it. It may not have even gotten that close, but uh, yeah, Phoenix is Phoenix is going to win this one uh, pretty handily. It's definitely favored on their end, and unfortunately, I think I do have Suns in four. I want to believe that CJ and Ingram can be great enough on offense to win one, but I just don't think the defense can be sustained with the level of motion and movement and ball movement from the Suns, I don't see it happening. Yeah, that defense is just on a string. It seems like all five guys at any point in time of the game are just just on a string. Yeah, This guy does something, the next guy moves, that guy moves, they all follow. Um, tough to get past. I have two sweeps now, I called, by the way. That's two sweeps. Wow. There might be more. We'll see. Let's get to this. Um... Yeah, there's going to be a lot more to talk about the Suns in the later rounds. Uh, you expect them to get through this first round pretty easily. Now, moving on to the next series, <clears throat> let us get to the Memphis Grizzlies and the Minnesota Timberwolves. <clears throat> we hinted at this game earlier in the show, and when talking about it, we both expected the Grizzlies not necessarily to just walk away with this, but... We, we thought that they were favored, <clears throat> and perhaps they still are, but as of game one, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves did win by 13. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Edwards had an electrifying game. Carl Towns rose, rose from the dead of that play-in game, and he got up for this game. They look good. Yeah, it wasn't even particularly close. I think at one point at the end when Josh sort of had to muscle his way back, he got that crazy dunk, um, soared through the air. Um, but that was as, that's about as much as they had at, in terms of highlights and, and any sort of success. Um, they, they, I think they handedly won that game, Minnesota, go, go, coming into Memphis, stealing game one. I always say a series isn't a series until a – the team wins on the road, and guess what? They stole game one as the seven seed. They so. got one early. So, I mean, this is going to be a fun series. They're talking about, you know, these young athletes out there trying to prove themselves now. Uh, I think either team right now moving on to the next round will be huge for the franchise uh, at this stage in, in their development. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Minnesota. <laughs> they, they look good. Looking at this game and thinking about it, Minnesota led for just about all of the game. The only lead that Memphis really had was a very brief stint of time in the second quarter. <clears throat> Other than that, Minnesota was up the whole game. And it wasn't like it was just like the, the top three. It wasn't just D. Russ, who had an off-scoring game, did have nine assists. But... uh the bench. The bench had great production. Beasley, 23 points. McDaniels, 15. Prince gave them five. And especially in comparison to Memphis, 
Memphis had they did have thirteen and twelve at a Clark. That was great. But Anderson six, Tyus seven, Melton two. Yeah, they didn't quite get the punch out of their bench that Minnesota did, and especially not from three. Yeah, that was my next point. Just the lack of shooting as a team that they're usually generally relying on. Um, ball movement around the perimeter, uh, jaw driving and kicking. Uh, they weren't able to make shots. A lot of offers mm-hmm. too. A lot of guys not hitting anything. So I do think um, they'll make a change, and they'll make a change quick. I think game two they'll come out uh, with a better game plan, hitting shots too. Um, who do you have in this series, Mike? I, I, I do still have Memphis. And like you said, I, I think Jaron Jackson is going to come to life. I don't think he's going to have quite – I mean, he had five fouls in 24 minutes, but he also had seven blocks. He had 12 points. It was four of 13, 0 of 5 from three. Yeah. He's not going to do that the whole series. <clears throat> he's he's going he's gonna to come back in the next game or two. Um, what is he going to give you? What Jaron is going to show up that day on the offensive end? I'm not sure, but what I do know is they need John Morant to be – the superstar that he is. They need Brooks and Bain to just be lighting it up from three and with Jackson. Yeah. Steven Adams can't have zero points either. No, no. And we you talking about Jaron Jackson. I don't know. Is Jaron Jackson about that, bro? Is he is he he's like their that? second best player. I don't know if he's got it like that in the playoffs. Or, or it's we're gonna have to see. Um I question it though. Uh, I, I'm not a huge fan. I think he's a little soft on on offensively. Uh, sort of like Cat. Cat has a little more experience now. Memphis is not going to like this. Um, I, I, I honestly, and, and this is a huge thing too. I think the play-in. I'm generally a traditionalist, and I'm not a huge fan of the play-in. I like the eight, eight, eight-team playoff. Um, but this play-in gives mom, te- gives teams momentum, mm-hmm. and I think you got two games out to, out of. Uh, I'm sorry, you get one great game out of out of Anthony Edwards, and he already believes he's a star now, and that rolled over into this game. I think I'm going to take Minnesota in this in this series. I'm going to have them winning in six. And just to be clear, <clears throat> you have Minnesota in six. We're not just falling into prisoner of the moment, right? I'm doing everything I can to <laughs> not. But I do think Brooks, I mean, as great as he is defensively, I think Bain, I, I know he can shoot and what he brings to a team as a role player. I'm looking at this Memphis team, and I'm like, youth, and we talked about them needing a lot of shit to happen for them to actually make a deep run. Mm-hmm. And, and the I'm a huge momentum fan, too. They steal one game on the road. That means they got to just have one more game, and then they're going back home to Minnesota. Yeah, I'm I'm breaking it down this way. Um, they have stars in the making. Uh, I'm taking Minnesota in six. I think six. I, I think in six because you're gonna have to win it at the sixth game. If you go back to Minnesota for a game seven, or I'm sorry, Memphis for a game seven, I don't think that's possible to win. Um, but I do expect a long series. I think six or seven games. If if it goes to seven, Memphis is gonna win. I truly believe, but. It's not going to. I think Minnesota's taking it in six. That's incredible. <laughs> Bookmark it. <clears throat> Archive this podcast. Yeah, me. Save this wherever you can. We will come back to this. <laughs> I, I'll take that because if I'm wrong, I it's like a it's a lose lose for me because if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. 
But if I'm right, my least favorite team is, is, is successful. So, hey, I'm, I'm, that's just an unbiased take. That's all. Okay. All right. Um, you know, and according, if you look at game one, it would maybe show that uh, Minnesota's style actually offensively kind of competes well with Memphis so long as they're hitting their shots. Although what I fear is that when you when you build an offense the way they do, where it's a lot of shooting, a lot of youth, but a lot of shooting, I mean, we're talking the most attempts per game. Yeah. So if you fall into the trap of just keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting, that can come back to bite you. We've seen teams do that in the past. We'll see if we can get by uh, Memphis here. I still have them, but uh, that'll be a fun one to keep track of now. For sure. Now to get to the real fun here. Here let's, we go. Let's get to the pinnacle of the first round. The the highlight. Let's get to the main event. We have the second seeded Boston Celtics going up against the earned seven seeded Brooklyn Nets. Now, looking at this series. Boston takes game one on a game-winning layup of Jason Tatum on the assist from Marcus Smart. We won't talk about Kyrie or KD's defense there. <laughs> All we know is that Boston's leading going into Boston of game two. Dude, this this series, man. This is everything you want as a basketball fan. What, is ben, what does Ben Simmons do for this series? Jeez, I mean... KD was sort of non-existent at times. I, I hate to say it. Well, okay, it, I'm really glad you brought that up so early because that's something I've noticed. You know, you notice it every playoffs, but it becomes so fascinating to watch against star players again on really, really good teams is the physicality of the defenses on them. If you go back and watch this series and just go back and watch game one, look at how physical Boston's being. Kevin Durant off the ball, anytime he makes a cut, there's two guys. There's the, his guy, and on the area that he's going to, whoever's closest to that spot, and typically it's the four or the five, and they like to have Al Horford do it. He he kind of he kind of backs up, keeps eye on the ball, but gets in Kevin Durant's path, and but not just gets in his path, he bumps him. It's every time it's a bump. It's what they did to Steph Curry yeah. a few years ago. It's what they did to KD a few years ago. It's what they tried to do with LeBron. And it's it's what's happening to Trey Young in Miami too. Is every single chance that you get, you give him a bump. You want to wear him down throughout the game, and then you see what happens. He shoots so poorly, like he did, and it, it wears on you mentally and it wears on you physically. And it's also just hard to beat because you're constantly mucking up lanes and you're you're stopping. Yeah. Their, their offensive flow. That's right. Yeah, and I think it also trickles on to the other players on the offensive team on the offensive side as well. Uh, they rely on KD. You know right. what I'm saying? They rely on him getting at least a touch. And if you're you're bumping him around and making it hard, that's tough. And it, it, it was sort of noticeable at the end of the game. Kyrie obviously went off, but I think a huge part of it was because the the offense realized that KD was getting sort of smothered at times. Yeah. Um, it, I remember there was a point of the game where Kyrie just had eight straight points. Six of them were from two threes back-to-back, just pulling up top of the key, saying, all right, this shit's not working. I'm Kyrie Irving. I'm going to pull this shot right now. I think I don't think that has staying power. I don't think that's going to last. 
Um, but I also do think KD is going to KD and come back. Yeah. Uh, K- Steve, KD will bounce back. Yeah. St- Steve Nash is going to create a, uh, uh, you know, a game plan for KD to come back here. I think it's going to be game two, game three. Um, this is going to be a seven-game series. It's got to be. We got to make it happen. Uh, yeah. This is a, this is the most entertaining series. This is going to be every game is going to be a dogfight. And that's the thing. It's it's probably it's going to be entertaining for everyone, and it, that's this is going to be, in my opinion, the most exciting series in the first round since the 2015 Clippers Spurs series. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do remember that. The fact that we got them in the first round, I think this is a very similar situation. Um, but I do think it's going to come back to bite either team, even if you win, because this is going to be such an emotional, such a such a tough series that. Um, even if you do win, you got to go on and play Milwaukee yeah. in the second round. Are you going to be emotionally drained? Yeah. Are you going to be physically drained? It's it's going to be a really tough path for whoever comes out of this this series. And uh, I think another thing that stood out to me is, you know, I was talking about Bam's switchability, Al Horford's switchability, his mm. defense. On Kevin Durant, of all Surprisingly, people. Surprisingly, I know, yeah. There, there's even times you caught him out against some guards, and he stops the drives there. I think there's a, there's a few against Curry. And late in the game, he gets switched on to Kevin Durant. It doesn't even allow him to get to the paint. And it forces him into some awkward, off-balance, mid-range jumper just inside the three-point arc. One of the lowest percentage lowest percentage shots that you can take in basketball and you know shout out Al Horford for at this age still being able to defend at such a high level and not only that he he I think he had like 10 points in the first quarter of that game yeah he had a great game dude he's an IQ guy he is um it's been known his leadership and and things like that but I think his IQ is is something to be admired I think um one of the smartest players in the league and he's at the center position and he's He's 35, so he's going to have to need that that, IQ, that defensive IQ. Um, able to pick up guards, even at that age and height, it's, it's incredible. And it, I think that's a testament to this, the Celtics' defense. Um, with Marcus Smart, my pick for Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> he, he is a finalist uh, for that award. Um, however... And, you know, you look at Jason Tatum, he was absolutely brilliant in this game. He had a lot of great defensive possessions. He was probably the best player on the court that night. And uh, as for the Nets, they're going to need a little bit more. You got decent bench production out of Drogic and Claxton. They had 13 and 14, respectively, on good efficiency, uh, a turnover each. But uh, you, you just need a little bit more. You can't have... You have three single-digit scores in the starting lineup. Yeah, you're 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 begging for it to be a dogfight. Drogic was a bucket. Did it seem like that to you watching that game? It seemed like he had timely buckets when when the offense needed it. Uh, I'm surprised that one, given him that many minutes, and two, how well he performed at that role. Um, he's more of a passing guard. Mm-hmm. Um, his ability to score was big, and they're definitely going to need that, especially when Curry can't score ten points or Bruce Brown's only scoring five. Yeah, uh, you're you're definitely gonna need to see more out of Seth Curry. We know he can do more than what he's showing so far. Uh, you know, like you know, nine points first game, six assists. But you're gonna need to see more out of him. But uh, yeah, Drogic, he surprisingly played 26 and a half minutes. Uh, that's a lot of minutes for 
another guard on this team. So that's, you know, you have Kyrie playing 41 minutes, Bruce Brown playing 36, Seth Curry playing 29, Drogic playing 26 and a half. That's a lot of guards. Patty Mills, 12 minutes, mm-hmm. playing a lot of minutes. Uh, it's going to be hard for them defensively when you roll out those kind of lineups. And uh, moments like the end of that game happen when you, you have that kind of defensive personnel out. But, uh, you know, KD's got to have a bounce-back game, obviously. Seth Curry, you got to see more. Even Drummond, four rebounds in 17 minutes. you you got to see more out of him. Yeah, he, he was fouling a lot. Seth was fouling a lot. Bruce Brown had five fouls. The team as a whole just didn't necessarily execute to the level that you're used to. And I think that's more a testament to Boston's defense. Agreed. And, and like I said earlier, they're so physical. They bump you on every single play. But just the personnel they have. They have a good defender at just about every position. Tice started getting killed, and they made the switch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you put White or Williams out there instead, it just works. And you have you have people just flying around and really making it difficult for such a gifted offensive team. Yeah, and they got Rob Williams back in the gym. Um, his his ability to come back will be huge. If, if, if they can get him back this series, that would be a huge addition, uh, you know, for when times like Tice, when Tice is getting beat down there. Yeah. You don't want to keep Daniel Tice, you know, at 20 minutes a game. You'd, no. you'd much rather see him have 10, 10 to 12. Probably. Um, so imagine they bring back the physicality of Rob Williams, too. It's, that would be, that would be awesome. Uh, Hopefully this is a seven-game series. Who do you have winning it, Mike? I don't even know if I'm fully sure yet, to be honest. But I guess after seeing the first game... Are you, are you going to pick the good guys or the bad guys? Because that's what it comes down to. The Nets, let's not get it twisted. This is the, the bad boys of the NBA right now. You saw, I mean, you saw all the fun Kyrie was having. You know, pregame, he told a fan to suck his dick. He's flipping people off throughout the game. In the back of his head. He's giving them, you know, the crybaby face. It was hilarious. And he hooped. You know, he absolutely gave that team buckets. And he's probably going to try to go off all series long, you know, when he feel that strongly towards the organization. And maybe the Celtics use that against him. Maybe they bait him into trying to be the hero. Who knows? Um, <coughs> as for my prediction... Celtics are up one, one game in. I'm still taking Brooklyn in seven. Okay. What are you doing? I'm going to take Boston in seven. Boston in seven. Okay. I love I love me some Jason Tatum. He had 31 himself. You know, we talk, yeah, obviously he, Kyrie took the headlines with with his antics. Um, and and his, he scored 39, almost a 40 ball. Yeah. But Tatum himself had 31. Yeah. Uh, we talk about their ability to limit KD. Um, Jalen Brown, it's, it's a silent – Jalen Brown has silent 23 as their second leading scorer. He's still on the court. Let's not forget about the fourth best player in this series, yeah, Jalen Brown. He, he's going to average over 20 points. He's a threat to score 30. So I think as a team, this is – I'm going to take Boston just because I – I just – I'm not a huge fan of the Nets. Uh, you can't deny the talent. They, KD might just come over and just start shooting above everyone and, and mm-hmm. take them, win it, win in five. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I'm choosing Boston seven. It's so hard to pick 
you know, against the team like KD and Kyrie for them alone. Uh, the harmony of Boston is what made that decision so hard for me is since that second half of the year, they, they have been playing as a unit and it's fun to watch. They're a dominant defense. They have a really good offense and on their best nights, they're one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, they, um, even after it came out of my mouth, I might be having some buyer's remorse already. <laughs> oh, that was fast. Um, no, no, we're going to stick to it. You guys, you got, you got Brooklyn in seven. I'll take Boston in seven. Might as put some money down on this. You know, who knows? <laughs> but either way, it's tax season. He's we, there. we, <laughs> either way, as basketball fans, we need this. We need this series to go to seven. We do. It would be a lot of fun to see them go seven. You want to see the elimination game. You got taste of it in the play-in, and now we want more. All right. It's uh, Monday night. And we have Raptors 76ers tonight. We have Jazz Mavericks tonight. Nuggets Warriors. Luka Doncic will not play in this game too. Scotty Barnes has been ruled out. Gary Trent Jr. and Thaddeus Young are doubtful. And as for the Nuggets Warriors, everything stays the same. You have those tonight. And we will be back by the start of the second round with the next pod we won't know exactly when that'll be because maybe some series go seven games maybe they only go four um i believe the second round can start anytime april 30th to may 3rd so expect the next podcast around then with that said thank you for listening we appreciate everybody who listens on whatever platform you are and whatever platform you are listening on, leave us a five-star review if you like what you heard. You can follow us at Recon Sports Pod on Twitter. And like always, have a good time.